This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good for the win. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? And we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. This is your NFL Week 10 betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Stuck, what's going on, man? Not much, just grinding away, adding college basketball to the mix. Um, so there's no sleep in sight until April. Winning uh, week 10, small winning week 10. Should have been a huge winning week 10, but for the second week in a row, I somehow beat a close by seven points uh, and lost to a backup quarterback. And I've ne- that's, I've ne- it's only happened to me one time prior to the season, and it happened two weeks in a row this year. But- Correctly projected the star quarterback is out. The star receiver is out. Get plus two and a half both weeks. Line closes at minus four and a half, minus five both weeks. And uh, lose to Cooper Rush and Colt McCoy. So there's nothing I can do about it. I it, it was my biggest play by far, and I got a lot down. I mean, I could have middled it, but I, I mean, I beat the close by seven points. So it just a, flu- a couple fluky losses. What are you going to do about it? But you got the sweep, which is the most important thing, was that it was a big week for the podcast and all the picks that we give here we're now on all the picks we give out 10 a week so we get our six pack two totals and two teasers we're now 52 37 and one 58 and a half percent and that's with some no overtime lock at all and these backup quarterbacks beating us a couple of times and then we had our money line underdog parlay again so we're four and five on the season there which is ridiculous so let's uh i think we're yeah. at five and four five yeah. and four we've hit more than we've missed yeah, so let's keep it rolling. You know, it's been nice to give winners, but as I always say, who cares? We're on to week 10. Let's get it cracking. All right, so we'll get into our Thursday night football preview. Then we'll give out this week's six-pack and try to stay hot and all that good stuff. But before we kick things off, a couple of quick reminders. First, if you plan to bet on any sport ever and you still haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools. It lets you shop for the best lines. It's got analysis from me, Stucky, and the whole Action Network team. And most importantly, it lets you track every bet that you make. Second, if you need to reference our Sunday six-pack picks anytime, all you have to do is use the Action app and follow Sunday six-pack because we use that account to track those picks there every Friday. And finally, for any listeners interested in betting on the NBA or playing NBA fantasy this season definitely check out our buckets podcast featuring our action network colleagues brandon anderson raheem palmer plus veteran nba journalist matt moore and fantasy expert adam koffler these guys drop new episodes three or four times per week so check out the buckets podcast this season if you're getting down on any nba action all right let's get into the thursday night football stuff It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football. 
So we have the Baltimore Ravens, your Baltimore Ravens, going to Miami, seven and a half point favorites. The total's 46 and a half. I just want to start by saying, like, you usually say don't bet on Thursday night football. I was about to not bet on Thursday night football last week, but I decided to go with a Michael Carter under 50 and a half rushing yards. And I won the bet by a yard and a half, but it was the most miserable sweat of all time because they were running him on like the last possession down like, like three scores or two scores, whatever it ended up being uh, when they should have just been throwing every play. So it was, it was brutal, which just reminded me uh, of why I do not like uh, betting Thursday night football. So I kind of heard you in my ear, like, yeah, stay away if you can. Uh, but what do you think of this Ravens uh, Dolphins game here? Ravens coming off a game where uh, they played a lot of snaps on offense. I think they had the ball for 46 minutes and ran, rattled off 98 plays. So uh, curious as to hear if you think that's going to have any impact on the short week. Over City, baby. I got to keep my Ravens. I, that was my total last week the, over in that game. My Ravens undefeated streak is alive. Uh, I did bet this game. I, I have the Ravens in a teaser. But I, before I get to that, how about them Dolphins? It, given all the <laughs> su- survivor carnage um, oh. last week, we both survived into we this did. week. And the, uh, the Dolphins came through. With Brissett against Tyrod Taylor, shout to Tyrod Taylor for some of the most uncharacteristic picks. But it's just not like him at all. That pick at the end of the half where he just flipped it up, and I mean that was that so not like him. Yeah, so we survived. We'll get to our survivor later on too. But yeah, I make this line right around seven ish. Now it's in doubt whether Tua is going to play or not. They said they're going to try him. He's going to be active, but they're going to see how he throws before the game and if he's good then we'll go i don't know i think i would probably lean towards no in a short week but no idea he's gonna be dressed and active but i'm expecting percent so two has been a little better of late so i do think that there's a a slight drop off between tua and Brissett. before the you know early the season i didn't think there was any at all but um i do think tua is a little better at this point after what we've seen over the past few weeks the biggest problem with the dolphins is their offensive line it's one of the worst in the nfl they also, you know, their defense has not been great. They can't stop the run. I don't think that they have the speed to really contain Lamar here. And what I mentioned last week after the bye, Ravens, one of the best staffs in the NFL. You saw this last week with the Ravens offense. You know, a little bit of a slow start out of the bye, which you see sometimes. But this Ravens offense early in the year, you know, you, you lose your, your stud all-pro tackle. Right, you have injuries across the offensive line. You have all of your backs tear their ACL. Like you have so many injuries, right? And then you're trying to, and you're. This is a run-based offense. Now they've been throwing it a lot more this year. But you have running backs who have to just get comfortable with the mesh point in Lamar. You have new offensive line moving all over the place. Nick Boyle was out, so important to the run game. You have Receipt Bateman is finally in. Watkins has been hurt. I mean, there are so many moving pieces to this offense as they were trying to adjust. I think the bye really served them well, and you're going to see this offense just explode here in the second half. So um, I do. Nick Boyle didn't end up playing last week. I do expect him to play this week, and I don't think that the Ravens will have any issues moving the ball. Oddity, this means nothing, but it's so crazy. Dolphins fans will know this. The Ravens have owned the Dolphins. I mean, you go back to playoffs in the 2000s, just Ed Reed picks, and I mean, if they have. I think they won 59 nothing to open the season against the Dolphins a couple years ago. John Harbaugh's nine and oh against the spread against the Dolphins. I mean, what, what? So, I mean, that what does that mean now? Nothing, but uh, I, you know, I make this spread in total pretty spot on. You know, the Ravens are a seven and a half point favorite, it's a perfect teaser piece to tease them down 
to one and a half. The Dolphins are a bad football team. Thought that coming into this year. They have one win over the Texans and a fluke win over the Patriots to start the year. That's it. I think the Ravens should win this game. Thursday night, uh, weirdness on a short week. Maybe it makes us a little closer. I wouldn't lay over a touchdown here, but I think it's a, a good teaser spot for the Ravens. I personally pair them with the Raiders, getting them over eight. We'll talk about that game later. Yeah, I think this that's spot on with kind of teasing the Ravens down here. You expect them to be able to win the game, but uh, I think there's it's a higher variance game in terms of how it plays out ultimately. I think the Ravens find a way to win, but I mean, you could have the offense a little gassed after playing all those plays, but at the same time, your defense got to kind of chill out and, and didn't have to be on the field quite as much. Um, you know, are there issues in the, in a kick return game and they got one taken um, to the house on them, the uh, kick coverage team, I should say. And then for the Dolphins, I mean, yeah, you have this, you have the quarterback, probably the backup quarterback or some uncertainty at quarterback on a short week. Uh, both of these teams play a lot of man coverage, which I think kind of increases the variance in a game because you can hit some big plays against them, or it could be one of those games where the coverage is tight, you know, a lot of third down uh, stops and we get a lot of punts. So uh, this is one I almost certainly will be uh, staying away. I don't mind the teaser at all, but uh, we'll be staying away from probably maybe uh, of, of a prop or something. But uh, yeah, that's the only thing I, I'm looking at is just, I think, high variance because of the, all the man coverage these teams play. You should have two fresh bodies, though, that the offense is getting back here. Um, Sammy Watkins is a full participant in practice, and I think Nick Boyle is going to play as well. They're both officially listed as questionable, um, but given their practice statuses and some of the things I'm hearing, I think both will play. Yeah, this is the game where the Ravens are going to bring pressure, bring blitzes as they always do, and that they should be able to do that with success here against this offensive line and set back there so yeah i'm sure maybe he'll take a couple shots and if they hit him it can keep it close and keep this in doubt but without flukes raven should win this game but i think spread and total are about right all right that's going to wrap it up for our thursday night football preview all right so that's going to wrap up our thursday night football preview ravens going to miami to face the dolphins again seven and a half point favorites the total at 46 and a half now let's give the people what they want let's crack open that week 10 Sunday six pack presented by our friends at the athletic brewing company. Thirsty for action. Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. All right. So I do have a, a nice little weed here in the six pack. So uh, time to get to work. I uh, got the first pick this week. So I'll start it off with the first pick in the week 10 Sunday six pack by going with the Seattle Seahawks plus three and a half at the Green Bay Packers. I actually got this at five. It's down at three and a half. Uh, obviously the big news here, Russell Wilson cleared for Seattle, Aaron Rodgers iffy for the Green Bay Packers. He's not going to practice all week, so he can be cleared by Saturday. He did leave kind of some, uh, some doubt as to whether he'd play, even if he did get cleared, you know, just with the with his health issues, you know, maybe, you know, we've seen it before where Cam Newton, I think, came back off COVID and was just really sluggish in his first game back. So you're talking about, uh, you know, no practice, you know, obviously Rodgers will be ready mentally, but uh, no telling how the, 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 you know, what the physical toll of 
uh, of COVID-19 will be on him as he, as he comes back, you know, with no week of practice. So I, I kind of like the, uh, you know, the possibility of getting Rogers out, you know, I, I don't think is baked into the line as much as it should be, but also just like Seattle in this spot. Anyway, uh, Russell Wilson as a road dog, 22 and 11 with two pushes, 66% against the spread uh, in his career. Seattle's five and two on the road off a bye under Pete Carroll against the spread. Uh, Seattle's been the slightly better team. I know Green Bay has dealt with some injuries, but they're still dealing with injuries. Seattle's 12th in DVOA overall. Green Bay is 15th. So pretty evenly matched game. Obviously, you're going to give the Packers, you know, some home field at Lambeau. But Russell Wilson, um, you know, he can kind of escape pressure and do some, you know, convert big third downs, make clutch plays. So I don't worry about Seattle in this spot as much as I'd worry about some other teams, uh, especially with I think you're going to get one of Seattle's better games. You know, they know they have to kind of claw back into this playoff race. Uh, they're coming off a bye. They've had time to prepare. And Green Bay, you might get one of their worst games, just uh, given, you know, Love's going to take all the reps of quarterback this week. They kind of built up a nice little weed over the, you know, the first half of the season uh, in that NFC North. And uh, also uh, a specific matchup that I think uh, the Packers will struggle with is slowing down Lockett and Metcalf. The Packers are outside the top 20 in DVOA against number one and number two wide receivers, which, you know, you're facing Seattle um, you got to be able to take away at least one of those guys, and if if not both, and you know Green Bay twenty fourth against number ones, twenty seventh against number twos. That doesn't bode well uh, for their defense. I think Russell Wilson keeps it close. I love getting the hook. I mean, even if Rodgers is fully healthy and there's not no kind of shenanigans going on with the with the vaccination status and whatnot, I still think Seattle. If they lose this game, it's by a field goal. I mean, this is kind of Seattle's mo, right? Like they're not going to get blown out. Uh, they're going to lose these like gut wrenching games, but I think Seattle's a pretty good chance of winning, winning the game, pulling off the upset here. So Seattle plus three and a half in Lambeau. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I do expect Rodgers to play, but yeah, it's, it's, there's got to be an impact from all week doing just conferences via video, you know, Seahawks off a bye here with Wilson back. I think the Packers defense has been overperforming mm-hmm. with some of these injuries. Um, so I think that there's, some regression coming in that department and this is the perfect offense to take advantage with Wilson back in the mix. So I think that uh, this is a good spot to back Seattle. I have a different take on how I will be backing them. So I'll save it for our uh, future section, a little teaser there, but I'll move on to my first pick. So for my first pick and the second overall pick in the Sunday six pack, I'm going with the, Carolina Panthers plus 10 and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. Another cliff fade here. Now here's the thing. Maybe this isn't a good thing, but I think there's a decent chance that Kyler Murray doesn't play again. Hopkins, maybe not playing again. AJ Green still on the COVID list. You think he'll be without all three of them again. Cole McCoy played really well last week. He's a middling average backup in his mid thirties. It's He's mediocre. There's a huge downgrade between him and Kyler Murray. That's pretty obvious. Obviously, last week didn't show that. But look, this Cardinals team has has been impressive this year. You have to be impressed with them. I just don't – but I don't have them as a top-five team. I don't think they're an elite team. They've have a lot of regression coming their way, and I'll explain in a couple ways here. They've been in a number of these games where early on in the first quarter, and their weakness is their run defense. They can't – they cannot defend the run at all. But they get out to they jump out to these leads and and their pass rush, their pass defense has been a little better. And 
it's a favorable game script for them. And the reason they've been able to do that, these fumbles in the first quarter, the personal fouls to get first downs, fourth down variants. Here's some examples. The Cardinals lead the NFL in fumbles per game, 1.8 fumbles per game. They are second in the NFL in fumbles lost per game, second fewest, 0.2. They're fumbling 1.8 times per game, losing only 0.2 per game. Cardinals opponents are also fumbling 1.8 times per game, which is the second highest in the NFL. The opponents are losing 1.1. That's most in the NFL. Put another way, the Cardinals and their opponents have each fumbled 16 times. The Cardinals have lost two, two, 8%. And their opponents have lost 10, 64%. So they've lost two of 16. Their opponents have lost 10 of 16. And these have all come early. Like last week against the 49ers, three fumbles in the first quarter. They recover them all. I don't know how the 49ers didn't recover one that was right in. There's also a made-up personal foul and a face mask on third and long stop. All of them led to points for the Cardinals or took points off the board for the 49ers. All of a sudden, you know, 14, 21, nothing. It's a completely different game. Same thing happened the Browns. Four fumbles in the first quarter. Cardinals recover them all. A couple of personal fouls. Let's have a let's look at fourth downs. Arizona, eight of nine on fourth downs this year. 89% leads the NFL. Their opponents, six of 20, 30%. I mean, these are fourth down conversions, swing entire games. Eight of a 90% versus 30%. Cardinals third down D, also 31.7%. I think the regression's coming there. This is a Cardinals deep. This is a Cardinals defense. Number one, it's allowing 4.8 yards per rush. That's second worst in the NFL. Their defense. So, and I think the Panthers are going to go heavy run here. McCaffrey's back. Thankfully, I know for a fact PJ Walker is going to play here. Had a, I bet the Panthers <laughs> last week under the assumption that Darnold would not play. I would not have taken the Panthers if Darnold would have played. PC's ghost against the Patriots. I thought he was out. Panthers D played really well, and Darnold basically just lost in that game. But Darnold's out now. So I'll get PJ Walker. So I won't have Darnold. I don't think there's much of a drop off. I don't think there's any drop off between the two. And I'd rather have PJ Walker here. But look at this Cardinals defense: second in EPA per play, but they're 14th in success rate, 23rd on early down success rate, 19th in drop back success rate on early downs, 22nd in rush rush success rate in early downs. I mean, this is. And then on you know you look at third downs, negative 0.548 EPA per play on late downs. The next best is negative 0.35. It's not sustainable. It speaks to third down regression coming, all these fourth down stops that they're getting. So there's a lot of regression coming in many departments for the Cardinals. You know, this is also a similar spot to what we saw with the Cowboys. You know, I lost on both. They go to Minnesota with their backup, huge team effort on the road. You get that win that everyone didn't think you were going to get, you come home then, and you're 10-point favorites. This is actually the same exact spot. And even if Murray's back, it's kind of like a little letdown. You're playing a bad team, and you come out a little flat, and look at the, the Cowboys did against the Broncos. They were down 31 nothing at one point in that game. So potential flat spot here. But I, I think, like I said, I think there's a good chance Hopkins, Murray, Green, they all could miss. But even if they're in, I think 10.5 is too many. And, you know, I, I think that the Panthers are going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to get pressure. I think they could contain Murray on the outside, and he's not going to be fully mobile. That's another thing. If he's in, I don't think that he's going to be 100% mobile here. So uh, I think the Panthers, who are playing for their playoff lives, right? Cardinals kind of fat and happy right now. Panthers win this game. If you assume the Falcons lose to the Cowboys, they move into the seventh spot in the 
NFC playoffs. So I think you get their best effort here with PJ Walker. I don't have to worry about Darnold turning it over. I hate Darnold. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is just too many points. I think the Panthers will have success running the ball. I think their defense will hold up. Even if we get, you know, a limited Murray and Hopkins comes back. But if not, this line will drop and uh, I'll be in better position and then I have to sulk when Colt McCoy beats me by 17. But so be it. Give me the Panthers. I don't know if you got a chance to see that uh, that Kanye West interview on, on Drink Champs, but uh, it is really good. It, but the funniest thing was they had this counter at the bottom where every time he name dropped like a celeb that he hangs out or talks to, they just add one to the counter. And like, I feel like we need that for you fading Cliff on this podcast. Right? Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury. You backed him week one. And I don't think you've backed them since. Uh, and I think you've bet against them pretty much almost, like, at least half the other week. So um, we, I, we definitely need that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, listen, I think the Panthers have an edge on defense because they have four good cornerbacks. And I talked about that last week where, when I liked the under in, in the game, you know, with the Patriots that, hey, with Stephon Gilmore here, there's four really good cornerbacks because Taylor, the rookie, was playing well. You know, Bouye was playing well. As a nickelback, Dante Jackson's playing well. So you add Gilmore to that. The Cardinals are one of those teams that, when healthy, uh, they're going to go at you at four receivers. Now, they didn't change the offense too much because I think, you know, they were one of the backup tight ends was out as well. So they, they kind of stayed with it with Antoine Wesley in there at wide receiver. But either way, the Panthers can shut down this Cardinal offense from, you know, the perspective of, you know, being able to man up, being able to, to cover if they if they put use zones or whatever not so uh it would be a real struggle if Colt McCoy were in there instead of Kyler because I think the the best thing that Kyler would bring in this situation is Carolina you know they could man up but if they man up you know that they're gonna have to spy or do something like that it's easier for quarterbacks to run they're gonna need that rushing ability from Kyler with how well their secondary can match up with Arizona I mean I think out of all the secondaries in the league uh this is one of the better this is one of the tougher matchups for Arizona so uh, I actually agree with this. Yeah, and, and also keep in mind, Buda Baker in concussion protocol with a knee injury, didn't practice today. Rondell Moore in concussion protocol with a neck injury, didn't practice today. Mm. I mean, this is a, a beat-up Arizona team, and uh, I think that this is a good spot to catch double digits with the Panthers. And uh, what I think will be – a lower scoring game. We, you know, Matt rules come out and said, we want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Now. I think you'll see a lot of that. You can see PJ Walker use his legs. Some, I think the Panthers can keep this close. All right. For my second pick and the third overall pick of the week, 10 Sunday, six pack. I am going with the Cleveland Browns plus one and a half at bed MGM, the official odds provider of the action network podcast. Browns are plus one and a half in Foxborough, but no Tom Brady. I'm just not intimidated by betting against the Patriots in Foxborough here. Uh, first of all, you know, if you kind of are scared of it, I and mean, we know Belichick has the great numbers historically, most of them with Brady, but this year they're one and four straight up at home. They lost that game to Miami where they fumble at the end, but they still put up only 16 points of offense. So kind of a, a ugly game. They lost 28, 13 to the saints. Can't really get much going, uh, play a low scoring game with the bucks, play well on defense, but still lose. Uh, finally play a, a, a good game in, in multiple phases against the Cowboys, but, you know, they lose on an overtime game. Okay. And, and then they blow out the Jets, which, you know, they blow out the Jets pretty much 
<laughs> regardless of venue. But I don't think this team has the same type of home field advantage that it had, um, you know, a couple years ago, obviously. The injuries to the New England running backs can loom large because you have Ramondre Stevenson, the rookie, and Damian Harris, the starter, uh, both in concussion protocol. Those two guys account for 71% of their rushing yards, 73% of their rushing touchdowns. Uh, I think Bolden can give you some stuff in the in the pass game, but if you have to run him 15 times, it's gonna it's not going to be as good, not going to be as physical as, as those other two. Um, Cleveland, and listen, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I, I think you probably agree with that. We'll get to that in a, another section, but in a low-scoring game like this, I think it hurts that Cleveland can match up even if Patriots are healthy in a run game, I mean, they're sixth best in run defense DVOA. And on the other side, the Patriots have been better against the pass. They're just 17th in run defense. Uh, so, you know, I know Nick Chubb is on the COVID list, but we've seen that Cleveland can run the ball. They're kind of like San Francisco in that they can run the ball uh, with a variety of different backs because they use a lot of heavy personnel, multiple tight ends. They're very well schemed in a run game. So, uh, still going to be trouble for the Patriots, uh, even if it is Dearness Johnson carrying the load. We saw he can do that uh, in an impressive fashion uh, a couple weeks ago. And then you know, Cleveland, they get pressure. They're second in pressure rate. Miles Garrett, you know, 28.4% pressure rate, according to Pro Football Reference. Mac Jones's completion percentage drops from 72 to 56% under pressure. His yard per attempt dropped from 7.7 to 5.5 under pressure. That's over two full yards. That's what you kind of expect with quarterbacks, but um, you know, Mac Jones has kind of been up and down. And this is one of those spots where I don't think he's going to give him much, which is, uh, you know, what, how you lose games like 17-16 to the Dolphins or 28-13 to the Saints, or, or you only put up 17 on the Bucks, even though your defense plays well. Um, because Mac Jones, I think it's going to be – it's not going to be an explosive offense here. His turnover-worthy plays also go for 1% when kept clean to 6% under pressure. Um, and on the other side, New England's below average in getting pressure on defense there at 24.7%. That's 18th in the league. So you don't worry about Baker uh, as much in this matchup. That's when you really want to fade Bakers in those spots where, uh, you know, the defense is going to get a lot of pressure. And then, Hey, I mean, listen, I don't think I I joke on Odell. I still think he's a a talented guy. I don't think he's the same guy, but it's obvious that Baker is playing better and plays better without him. You know, we heard the reports that Odell a lot of times freelances and, and Baker's kind of like Kirk Cousins in that I think he's a very, you know, he kind of follows his reads and does what he's supposed to do. So when a receiver's in the wrong spot, just not a good, good situation for him. So the numbers kind of bear it out. With Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, 59.6% completion rate, 7.1 yards per attempt, uh, one and a half touchdowns, one pick per game. Without Beckham, goes from 596 to 64.1% in completion rate, from 7.1 to 8.1 in yards per attempt. Uh, the touchdowns go up. The interceptions drop from uh, 1.0 to just 0.65 per game. So uh, I'm not worried about Baker too much. I think they can still run it, whoever the back is here. And uh, I just don't think this is a good matchup for New England. And uh, I think New England is a pretty average team and and the Browns are better. And DVOA kind of uh, spells that out. You have Cleveland sixth in overall DVOA. That's why I liked them last week against Cincinnati. You know, there was like a a 15 point gap between, in terms of spots between the the two teams, Cleveland's still sixth. New England's 13th. New England's average. Cleveland's above average. Uh, an above average team here. I think they play well. I think they get this win here. So going Cleveland plus one and a half against the Patriots. Yeah, I agree here. I would have went with the Browns uh, as my third pick, but you took them. So hopefully that's a good sign that we both agree here. And uh, I had the same handicap. It comes down to pressure 
Brown's third and adjusted sack rate. Mac Jones, third highest turnover worthy throw percentage under pressure. Mm-hmm. He's only ahead of Big Ben and Justin Fields. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. on top of that, he's only faced one heavy pressure team in Carolina last week. One of the reasons I bet Carolina, he looked awful. He did nothing. He was really poor all day with a, a bad interception. And I expect him to make some mistakes here. This Browns defense is really good now that they're healthy. They can get pressure. Their secondary is healthy. And I think a lot of the Browns' numbers and, – and by the way, they lost the game that they should have won against the Chargers, if not for a brutal call. They lost the game against Kansas City that they should have won, if not for just a, a botched punt snap. But they've also dealt with a ton of injuries. So I think that their numbers are deflated due to some of these injuries. And you're right. The Patriots 18th in adjusted sack rate, 18th in pressure rate. It's good for Baker here. And it was funny. Early in the season, I said that the only thing that can go wrong with this Browns offense – is if there's drama with Baker and Odell. Well, that's now been solved. And yeah, the, the Patriots, look, they got a good win over the Chargers, but their only other wins on the year, the Jets twice, the Texans, and go seeing Sam Darnold. That's it. So I agree. I think that the Browns aren't getting enough credit in the market here, just like last week. I, I don't get it. I mean, they were catching three at, at, um, at Cincinnati in a place with, I mean, there was no home field there. I don't know why the Browns aren't getting enough love in the market, but uh, I do think that they should win this game. And yeah, I'll have more on the total later for my second pick and the fourth overall pick of the Sunday six pack. I'm going with the New Orleans saints plus three at bed MGM against the Tennessee Titans. Now, look, the Titans, I have to give them credit here for one thing in particular, and it's their defensive line. And a guy that I've been raving about since, you know, he came into the league was Jeffrey Simmons. And he's now a top five interior defensive lineman. Only interior defensive lineman with 40-plus pressures on the air. He has 42. Aaron Donald has 41. Their defensive line is playing really well, and they're able to generate pressure. And that's taking pressure off of what's a really bad secondary outside of Kevin Byard, who's playing at an all-pro level. This, you know, you you look at Landry. He's playing really well. Autry's out. I mean, they're, they're, they have a lot of guys that are getting natural pressure, and they're not blitzing up front in the defensive line. And when you could do that, it masks some of the issues you have in the secondary. So I have to give the Titans credit there. And once they get all their pieces back healthy on offense, and, you know, if you get Fulton back at, in that corner and your secondary gets healthier, this is a, te- this is a defense that has the potential to be – slightly below average, maybe average. And coming into the year, I thought they were a bottom five unit. I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore once they become fully healthy. And that makes them a legit Super Bowl contender if they get fully healthy. You know, and obviously Derrick Henry needs to come back. But this team isn't fully healthy right now, and they're severely overrated by the market. You know, you look at the Titans from a DVOA perspective. They're 14th. You know, the Saints are 8th. How about the Titans offense? 16th. That's right where the Saints offense is. 17th. Defense, the, where the big difference is. The Titans are actually, I think, like 10th or 11th in defense. The Saints are third, but I think they might be the best defense in the NFL. They've dealt with some injuries. They're now fully healthy. Estimated wins. You look at these teams. How about estimated wins for football outsiders? The Titans are 7-2. and two. Estimated wins, 4.5. That's 18th in the NFL. 
How about the Saints? 5.6. That's six in the NFL. Saints are a better team right now. They're a top 10 team. I don't think the Titans are a top 10 team right now. Throw in the injuries of the offensive line. Throw in Derrick Henry not being there. You know, throw Julio Jones not being fully healthy. Throw in some of the injuries in the secondary. This isn't a, a fully healthy team. The Titans defense, and look, the, you know, the Saints are obviously playing with Trevor Simeon. I think you're going to see a lot more of Taysom Hill, and I think that'll work this week. His run packages, Titans see 25th in EPA per rush, 29th in rush success rate. I think the Saints can move it on the ground here. When they need to throw, they have an elite offensive line. So this elite offensive line can give them time, and they can hit some short passes, move the ball here. The Saints will not give up anything on the ground. It's the best run defense in the NFL right with the right there with the Tampa Bay Bucks, And they specialize in taking away outside receivers. You know, you can get Lattimore on Brown. The Titans offensive line is banged up and get some pressure on Tannehill. And they just don't have the running attack anymore. You Look, the defensive line was impressive against the Rams last week. But the offense did nothing. The offense did nothing at all. It was awful. I mean, you go look at the, the box score. It's one of the ugliest box scores you'll see all year. They benefited from turnovers. And over this stretch – you know, they've, they've beat some really good teams over the past few weeks. You want to talk about benefiting from turnovers. I mean, over and over again, the Titans have benefited from turnovers. So I think that there's some regression coming there. Special teams edge for the Saints as well. Coaching edge for the Saints also. And speaking of coaches, what do I always say is the underdog god? Sean Payton. 44, 25, and 2. 64% covering by four points per game as an underdog. 25% ROI, second most profitable of 137 coaches as an underdog since 2003, only behind Tomlin. Even better, Peyton off a loss, 49-26 against the spread, over 65%, covering by four points per game, 28% ROI, second most profitable coach of about 140 since 2003, only behind Belichick. Vrabel, great as a dog, 17-9 against the spread, 13-18 and against the spread as a favorite. And, you know, when I talk about this Titans team and estimated wins, I mean, look, the Bills slip on a quarterback sneak in a game that they were up 10. I mean, I had the Titans in that game. Could have easily lost that game. The Colts game should have lost it. There's a fluke fumble and a t- torn ACL after an interception. They end up winning that game in overtime. So they've had a lot of bounces go their way lately. And another thing to keep in mind here is, is are they exhausted? I mean, the Titans, I mean, you've had all of these huge games in back-to-back weeks. You know, you play the Bills, you play the Chiefs, you play your rival in overtime and put them out of their misery in the division. Then you travel out west in prime time and win as a seven-point dog against the Rams. Now you're coming home and playing the Saints. I mean, there's got to be an element of fatigue here as well. So I actually think as of right now, Given the statuses of these rosters, the Saints are a better overall team, and I'm getting three on the road with a, you know, a coach who's thrived in this spot in the past. I don't think that this sets up well for this Titans offense, just like we saw last week. And this is a much better Saints defense than what the Rams are fielding. So I think the Saints can do enough on the ground. Taysom Hill, Kamara is a little, little banged up. It's something to keep keep your eye on, but I expect him to play. But I think you're going to see a lot of Taysom Hill packages, short passes. They can control this defensive line, and if you could do that, it's poverty on the back end outside of Bayard. So I think the Saints get this win. I have been impressed with the Titans, but I think this is a great spot to back the Saints. So give me New Orleans. Yeah, I love this play. I would have taken this uh, with one of my picks if you hadn't taken it. 
love Sean Payton as a dog and off a loss, as you mentioned. On the road off a loss, he's 26 and 10, 72% against the spread. So, I mean, that's just that's just absurd. He's really good at, in, in these spots. This is the Saint, Saints team that just won against the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks a couple weeks ago. And we picked against them, you know, when they put when they went to play the Falcons the following week. It was a classic letdown spot. Uh, but they, you know, they know they can get this done and win this kind of game. And I agree. Titans did nothing on offense against the Rams. Now the Rams were a good defense, but the Saints are even better. But you see the Titans. What did Peterson finish with? What, what was Peterson? 10 for 20 or something like that and a touch. Yeah, 10 for 20. There's just no running game, which crushes the play action. You don't have to worry about the play action. The Saints don't have to worry about that either. They have a good run defense yeah, as it the is. the best. The best. It's It doesn't set up well for the Titans offense here to have much success. So I think that the saints can grind out a win here and the saints have just been like, they've been really predictable. It's like, all right, week one, they're, they're like, look really good a week. And then the next week they have a little bit of a letdown and Peyton kind of cleans it up. So I think you get their best effort here. Yep. Totally agree. All right. Uh, for my third pick and the fifth overall pick of the Sunday six pack for week 10, I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings plus three at the Los Angeles chargers playing the spot here. Uh, we kind of know Minnesota and their MO, you know, they have these really heartbreaking losses and they, they play well, then they have these losses and then they, they play a little better the next week. And the market is usually a little too much down on them. I think Minnesota could win this game. Um, obviously I, I am a little concerned about how many snaps their defense played. I think that's, that's going to be an issue, especially, you know, with Hunter being out and, and Harrison Smith, although by, they, they uh, Bynum replaced Harrison Smith in the lineup and played really well. So maybe that's not as big a loss as, as we thought, but listen, Mike Zimmer is 33 and 16, 67% off a loss against the spread. He's 15 and five, 75% against the spread off a multi-game straight up losing streak. Um, you know, he's coaching for his job right here. Everyone's down on him in Minnesota uh, in terms of the fan base. Those, these close gut wrenching losses are piling up, but overall the underlying metrics still say Minnesota is a better team. They're 11th in overall DVOA. The Chargers are 16th. Uh, and you want to talk about estimated wins. Minnesota's three and five on the year, but their estimated wins, 5.4. The Chargers are five and three on the year, but their estimated wins just 4.4. It's a full point less. I think this Charger team uh, kind of plays into Minnesota having success because the issue with Minnesota on offense this year, everyone wants to kind of talk about Cousins and they don't get the ball to Jefferson enough. And maybe that could be true, but Minnesota's sixth in pass offense, DVOA. They're 29th in run offense. Now, that's going to regress simply because the backfield is too talented with Madison Cook. Now you have the rookie Wangu, who, you know, Cook, I mean, I think he's going to be fine for this week. You know, some legal issues going on there, but looks like he's going to play this week. But they have a talented backfield. The Chargers are dead last in run defense DVOA. So if you let Minnesota run it, I think that really helps Minnesota throwing the ball. It keeps them on schedule. Um, they've still been efficient. They're still talented and have talented pass catchers uh, when they do throw it. So uh, I think that'll be a, a kind of, it kind of plays into it. And then the Chargers also, they try to limit explosive plays and they'll sit back. But I also think that plays into what Minnesota does because Cousins is going to make the read, check it down anyway. Um, so you don't, you don't kind of work. You, if you, if their defense is giving up those underneath things, um, you know, that's kind of Minnesota's MO either way. Uh, and then on the other side, listen, Justin Herbert, He's playing bounce back as I thought he would against the Eagles. They didn't stop him at all. I mean, there's a couple of turnovers on downs and I think something to end the half, <laughs> no punch for the chargers in that game, but Minnesota, they are third in pass defense DVOA. So I think they can get a couple stops, you know, third down stops. They're usually 
very good in situational football. That's been one of the things under under Zimmer on defense, and uh, that's holding up again. They're fifth in third down conversion rate. Not haven't been as good in the red zone this year. They're, they're only twenty six, but third down conversion rate. They're they're fifth. Uh, the Chargers have been overperforming on third downs, I think, a little bit. So I think I do think Minnesota will have some success here. I think it is key to stop them in the pass game. Um, you know, that's where that's first and foremost where you want to slow down the Chargers. So I uh, like the the matchup for Minnesota in this spot. And uh, you know, better team, better defense. I, I I think even without Hunter, I think they're still a better defense. They're eighth in DVOA, obviously missing some pieces, but the Chargers are 20th. Uh, I just think this is the kind of game that you know, when you get down on Minnesota, you count them out. Uh, they seem to be doing everything wrong to lose games. I think this is the type of game they can win. I think they're slightly better team. I don't think there's any home field advantage for the Chargers as we talk about pretty much ad nauseum. So give me Minnesota plus three in LA. Yeah, the the Vikings, these are two teams that are, are pretty similar in that they just play a ton of close games. I mean, the Vikings lose by three in overtime to the Bengals, lose by one on a missed field goal to the Cardinals. If you see off, Seahawks by 13. Lose by seven to the Browns. Win on the last second field goal by two to, against the Lions. Win in overtime against the Panthers. Lose by four on a last second Cooper Rush touchdown drive to the Cowboys. Lose by three in overtime to the Ravens. Every one of their games has been decided by one possession except that Seahawks win. Three of them, they played in overtime. And then you look at the Chargers this year. This is a team that also, look, new coach, same Chargers as far as close games are concerned. One by four against Washington, lost by three to the Cowboys, one by six against the Chiefs. They did beat the they did beat Vegas by 14, beat the Browns by five, got crushed by the Ravens, lost by three to the Patriots, one by three against the Eagles. Close games across the board. So even though this is a high total, it is a pretty good spot to maybe tease the Vikings above nine. I expect this to be a close game. The only thing I have concern about is the Vikings' potential COVID issues. So they mm-hmm. had Dakota Dozier went to the hospital. There was a bunch of close contacts. I don't know. As of right now, we were recording this on Wednesday. I don't know. You know, you could have tomorrow five guys pop up and they're not going to be able to go. They're going to go on the COVID list. You don't know who that would be. So that is something to keep in mind. Harrison Smith is out. Daniel Hunter is out. That's the 12th best safety and the 14th best edge rusher in the league per PFF. And then you also have your number one corner out. Although I don't think it's as big of a drop off. I actually like Cam Dancer. But that's three key guys in, in your pass defense, which has been your strength. On the other side... Chargers can't defend the run, and their secondary is in shambles, shambles, uh, as far as injuries are concerned. So it's going to be uh, – it's hard for me to see many stops here. Total has risen. Uh, I think that it's – I don't disagree with taking the three here. I also wouldn't hate an over, um, or if it starts slow, a live over. Um, if either one of these teams gets behind by a lot, betting them in the live market as well, I don't think either one of these teams could have issues coming from behind and – who knows? Could be another overtime game for the Vikings. Yeah. And let me just, uh, for, for everyone out there that wants to tail the pick, I would suggest waiting until closer to kickoff because it seems like, as, as you just alluded to, Stuck, mo- more of the news has the potential to go against the Vikings. So uh, you might get even better than the three. Like, I don't think it, I don't think you're as, at as much of a risk for it to go back to two and a half again, because, you know, you have the Dalvin Cooks, you know, situation popping up. You have the COVID situations popping up. So I think it's more likely that this maybe even gets to three and a half, which would be lovely. than it does go back to two and a half. You always take a little bit of a risk when, when you do that. But I think in this spot, I, I do think that it's more likely that 
negative news impacts the Vikings, which pushes the lineup. And I would still like them again. This is just, you know, beyond the matchups and beyond the fact that I think the Vikes are uh, pretty similar and maybe even slightly better team here. Uh, this is just a great spot for them. You know, when you count them out and Zimmer's coming off a loss and or multiple losses and you, they're looking down, these are the kind of spots that they get up for. So um, I just wanted to point that out. You might want to wait up uh, until closer to lock. Yeah, that's a good point. You could also try and get more intel on who's out for the Vikings, yep. uh, if anybody. All right. So for my third pick and the sixth and final pick of the Sunday six pack for week 10, I'm going with the Detroit Lions plus nine against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. This is ugly. I almost went with the Cowboys. We'll talk about that game later. Laying nine. But I ultimately went with the lines on the news of Taylor Decker returning. Full participant in practice today. So that means, you know, you're going to – this. the strength of this line seems supposed to be their offensive line, but there's been a ton of injuries. But you get Decker back. You know, you can move Sewell over to right tackle. And the only weakness on this line's offensive line this year has been Nelson, whoever that guy's name is. The right tackle has been one of the worst in football. Well, now you can move Sewell over there. You move Decker to the left side. Ragnall, their all-pro center, has been hurt. This kid, Evan Brown, has been one of the best centers in football in his place. He's been awesome. So now you have a really good offensive line back in place against the Steelers' defensive line. Can give – Goff some time to hit some short passes. I don't expect the Lions offense to do much here. But the here's the thing. it's This is just too many points with the Steelers offense in a horrible spot. They're coming off of a Monday night game, hard-fought Monday night win. The Lions are coming off of a bye, still winless. Expect some potential shenanigans on special teams. They'll pull out all the stops. They'll also go out, all out till the end, which is important. If they're down like 14 15 at the end they're going to keep trying to score we've seen that many times um but it's a lot of points with a low total and there's big ben has been bad and there is worse big ben coming i mean this is a guy who only has four interceptions on the year his turnover worthy throw rate is 10 and a half percent 10 and a half this is under pressure he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl this turnover-worthy throw when he's under pressure. You're talking Fields and Jones are around 7%. This, that those are the, the next worst. There's been dropped interceptions. There's been just many chances for teams to pick Ben off, and they just haven't come. They're coming, trust me. Now you don't have your deep threat in Chase Claypool. And what are the Lions complete poverty in? It's their secondary. They're actually seventh in quarterback carry percentage. They can scheme up some pressure to get to Ben, force him into some mistakes, but they cannot defend the deep pass whatsoever. None. They have bad corners due to injuries. They're young. And they have one of, I would say, the worst free safety in the NFL in Will Harris. Not a recipe for stopping the deep pass. They are 32nd in the NFL defending the deep pass. They're the only team in the NFL with an average defensive uh, depth of target of over 10 yards. Well, Ben... It's completing 30% of his passes over 20 yards. Now no Claypool. Ben, average depth of target this year, 7.1 yards. Only Goff is lower. So this is a, a, a Lions team that I don't think is going to get burnt here by deep passes. It's just not what the Steelers can really do. And that is how you attack this line secondary over and over again. 
And we're talking, these numbers don't even include the three drop touchdown passes that Marquise Brown had against them. So, you know, I think that they can make the Steelers drive it down the field with short passes. Ben can maybe make a couple mistakes. By the way, teams that are winless, catching seven or more in game six or later over the past 20 years or 60% against the spread. So I just think it's a little bit, the line is a little high, bad spot for the Steelers line still starving for that win off of a bye for two weeks. They're going to have some new wrinkles here. Just they're going to go all out. You know that. And I don't think that the Steelers offense, which has been so bad is equipped to really blow out teams. I don't think they've beaten anyone by more than seven points all year the Lions secondary won't get exposed as it will against most teams in the NFL backdoor potential here, catching nine off a bye, starving for a win with a low total. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think the Steelers were a team that I was backing over these last few weeks. You know, everyone was down on them after that, those three straight, losses and I thought it was a good time to kind of back them in these um you know smaller spreads and any spots against you know teams with poor quarterbacks that they could eke out wins against you know one way or another uh now yes you're kind of playing the same thing but now the line is ballooned to eight and a half right you know eight and a half nine here and that's more than a one possession I totally agree I just don't know the Steelers are equipped to beat teams by more than one possession I mean I had the Steelers money line against the Bears and I, you know, I wrote it up for our, our primetime write-up. I said, listen, I, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable taking them on the spread, even though I think they're the better team because uh, it's just it's just a low-probability outcome that they, they win by enough points to cover. And, I mean, it was miserable just, just having them on the money line. They probably should have lost that game. The refs gave them – I mean, they, they just got another 15-yard penalty as we're recording this, though, in their favor. Like, it's it was nuts for them. So, um, I mean, you have penalty regression coming <laughs> on top of everything else. You have penalty regression coming for the Steelers. So – uh, yeah, I, I don't like that at all. Uh, I may join you with that one, either either that or I might I might attack the total too. Uh, I don't see many points being scored in this game uh, on either side. So either way, it benefits the Lions because you have a total uh, spread of eight and a half and a t- game with a total under forty three. You know, it's tough to cover in those spots, and it's been tough for the Steelers to cover those numbers all year long. All right, that is our Week Ten Sunday Six Pack presented by the Athletic Brewing Company. To recap, Stucky going with the Carolina Panthers plus ten and a half the New Orleans Saints plus three and the Detroit Lions plus nine. I am going with the Seattle Seahawks plus three and a half, the Cleveland Browns plus one and a half and the Minnesota Vikings plus three. So six underdogs on the week 10 Sunday six pack presented by the athletic brewing company whose innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to golden ales and more, they offer a full selection of craft brews starting at only 50 calories. With two custom breweries in Connecticut and California, they've created a lineup of styles loaded with accolades, including the 2020 World Beer Award gold medal for their flagship IPA, Run Wild. With full flavor, low calories, and no chance of a hangover, Athletics Brews lets you enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime and anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping when you order two or more six-packs. And you can enjoy 10% off your order with promo code ACTION10. That's A-C-T-I-O-N-1-0. 
zero. Cheers. All right, Doug, let's get into our coaches pep talk. And for today's coaches pep talk, uh, we're going to go a little more somber than usual because Sunday marks the 51st anniversary of the infamous and, and tragic Marshall University plane crash that took the lives of 75 members of their football program. To acknowledge this tragedy, uh, this week's coaches pep talk will be a speech from Matthew McConaughey from the 2006 film, We Are Marshall. I want to talk about our opponent this afternoon. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced. And on paper, they're just better. And they know it too. But I want to tell you something that they don't know. They don't know your heart. All right. Uh, that wraps up our pep talk for this week. Let's get into our favorite total for week 10. Yeah, this is a game we already talked about. I'm going to go with the Browns and Patriots under 45 at Bedham Jim. You can find a 45 and a half out there, um, which is obviously a key number. You want to search for that and try and get it if you can. But we, we talked about this game. I don't think that Mac Jones is going to have much success. The Browns run defense has been really good. The Patriots can keep this Browns offense relatively in check. Look, the Patriots are 17th in situation, neutral pace. The Browns are 29th. Neither of these teams plays terribly fast. Both of these teams are top 10 in rush rate. You're going to see a lot of runs. You're going to see, I think, a lot of punts. And you're going to see the clock bleeding throughout. I think this is a lower scoring game. I think this Browns defense is severely underrated now that it's uh, close to full health. And uh, I think Mac Jones is going to struggle with the pressure. And that run has been really good. Baker's not going to go off here against his Patriots defense. They'll have some success on the ground, but uh, I think that this is a, a low scoring game. I'll call it like 21, 17. Yeah. I could see that same exact score playing out, you know, Belichick's, even though I think the Browns are the better team and have the edge probably on both sides of the ball, you know, Belichick's not going to let this one get out of hand. Uh, at least you don't expect him to um, He's still one of the best schemers in the league on both sides. So he'll, he'll adapt. Look fellas, I am sick of this Okay, I can't stand much more of this. It's a joke. It's a joke. If he feels like he has to play to keep it close, which he might, because again, I, I know Belichick kind of understands, even if he's not using analytics per se, I think he kind of can come to the same conclusion to some of these underlying metrics. And he's going to see that the Browns are a pretty significantly better team. Uh, so he's going to have to play to kind of keep this one close, stay in it, you know, try to get a special teams play. Um, you don't expect any special teams disasters, like a, you know, a, a return or something like that. Both of these teams are, are pretty good in special teams. So, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a kind of close to the vest game for both sides. Oh, yeah, we got them. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see who's got who. Well, my total for week 10, I am going with the Eagles Broncos under 45. I love this under for a number of reasons. First of all, I think Philadelphia, whether they're right or wrong, finally realized that it might benefit them to run the ball. In the last two weeks, they've run the ball 85 times. 42 and a half times per game. Uh, and even against the Chargers, you know, bad run defense, but that was still a game where, you know, it was a close game. So you, people look at the Lions game and say, okay, it was game script, but, um, you know, they, they do it against the Chargers. And even though this might be fool's gold, uh, you know, playing two bad run defenses, running a lot, having success, I, I still think from a coaching perspective, they're going to look at it and say, hey, you know, we're playing a little bit more even even keeled here, a little more balanced on offense. Let's keep this up. So I do expect Philly to run a little more. Denver also dealing with some, some issues and injuries to their run defense. And then on the other side of the ball, Philadelphia allows the lowest average depth of target in the league. 
to 6.4. Your defense, as we've talked about, is predicated with Jonathan Gannon on stopping explosive plays. He's going to play a ton of zone, almost almost never goes to man-to-man, a lot of quarters coverage, which means four uh, players in deep zones uh, and, you know, split safety, but four players in deep zones. So you have everyone covering a quarter of the field. Uh, that's going to really help limit the big plays. And Teddy Ridgewater, his average up to target has been around nine. So uh, this is what the Broncos have kind of on offense, what they've kind of been doing in games where they have a lot of success. Now, the numbers bear that out, you know, not just from, you know, Philadelphia being able to kind of force Denver to play the way they don't want to do, but you just look at Denver against zone this year versus against man coverage against man coverage. Denver's averaging 10.4 yards per target. According to pro football focus against zone coverage, just 6.8. That's a three and a half yard per target drop off facing zone. And remember the Eagles play zone over 80% of the time. They're almost never in man coverage. So, you know, we look at this game and the Broncos are a field goal favorite and they very well may win the game, but it's not going to be because they're just going up and down the field and, and creating these explosive plays. You look at the Eagles offense, very low variance, third in variance, which means they're very consistent week to week. You kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to expect the Eagles to score somewhere from 17 to 24 points. And that's, that's kind of been their MO. One of these two teams could win like you know, 27 to 10. You know, I could see that happening either way. Denver has some old line injuries. Both of the teams allowing 5.4 yards per play on D. The NFL average is 5.6, so both above average there. Bridgewater unders, 35, 22, and 1 uh, in his career, 65%. So, like the under, 45 for Philly Denver. Yeah, the one thing I do like about this is that you're not going to have a lot of explosive plays, or at least I don't think so. You know, that's what Fangio wants to take away, and that's what the Eagles want to take away. So, you're going to have to drive the field uh, in this game. Some of the defensive injuries on both sides of the ball do concern me. The Eagles had a lot of guys who didn't practice today, so I'm not really worried. Both of these teams are going to make you drive it down the field and sustain drives without hitting explosive plays, which is always ideal for an under. I personally think the Eagles, what, are two and a half right now? Good teaser piece with our other total. This is good if we like unders. It's better, more value when you're teasing the dog. I I actually tease the Browns with the Eagles, um, which I guess will lead us into our next segment. Yep. So uh, we'll get to our favorite teaser in, in one moment. Just to recap, uh, our favorite total, Stucky going Patriots Browns under 45. And I'm going Eagles Broncos under 45. And again, if you can get a 45 and a half, uh, that's a key number because you can get a final score of like 28 to 17, 24 to 21, uh, and you still win instead of push. So uh, try to get that half point if you can. Don't pay for it. Obviously, the total is almost never worth paying uh, extra juice. But if you can, uh, try to find that, uh, that half point. All right, now it's time for our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. For those not familiar with teasers, it's when you get to combine two or more bets. You get a, a certain number of points allocated to each bet. The standard is a six-point teaser, um, two teams. That's what we do here. And Stuck has a lot of great content out on teasers, what key numbers to, to tease through and, and kind of look for when you're, when you're creating these, how to get an edge on the market. Uh, so be sure to Google Stucky and teasers, or you can search it for it on actionnetwork.com as well. Stuck, where you're going uh, with your teaser for week 10. Yeah, I love this. This is a great teaser week. I've already mentioned Ravens and the Raiders. 
Uh, I mentioned Browns and the Eagles. And then another one I played, I played three teasers this week, are the Seahawks, which we already talked about. By the way, Russell Wilson, 33-4, and four, went to six points as an underdog. Any any number. Between one and three points, he's 21-2. and two. I lost one of them earlier this year by a point because of a uh, Geno Smith interception right one second before the two-minute warning, which led to a field goal. So that, that's, that goes on Russell Wilson's record, but he was out in the second half. So really, you're talking 21-1. and one. When he's an underdog between one and three points, between one and three and a half points, teased up over the seven. Uh, so I like, I think the Seahawks at worst keep this with the one possession. That's what they do. It's probably a field goal game. Uh, I'm going to tease them with the Cowboys. That bet MGM, you can get the Cowboys minus eight and a half. Tease that down to two and a half, through the seven, through the six, through the three. Falcons, good win last week, but it was just a really flat spot for New Orleans. This is a team that's still 31st DVOA, 32nd. Rush DVOA. So they can't run the ball. That's how you really can attack this Cowboys defense. Falcons also don't get any pressure. They're 31st in adjusted sack rate. I don't see how they're going to get many stops. AJ Terrell's playing really well at corner for the Falcons, but that's about it. Uh, bounce back spot for Dallas here after that. They lay an egg. I, I don't think that they lose this game. So Dallas, give me Dallas. He's below the three and uh, Seahawks from uh, three, three and a half up to nine, nine and a half. Yeah, uh, I like both of those. Uh, I already talked about Seattle. We'll talk about Dallas. Uh, a little more, I think they're going to be my survivor pick, a little teaser ahead, but uh, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, for my teaser, I'm going with Seattle as well, three and a half to nine and a half. You already mentioned the stats on Russell Wilson. Uh, there's a good chance Seattle wins this game. I mean, you have all this uncertainty with Rodgers, not going to practice. Um, so get this number while you can, any way, shape, or form. And then for my other leg, Going with the Minnesota Vikings, plus three to plus nine. We seem to talk about this every week as well. Minnesota just loses gut-wrenching, close games that they probably should win. And Minnesota's great at covering, coming off losses and multi-game losing streaks. I already talked about that as well. But So I'll just kind of wrap it with, here are Minnesota's five losses on the year. They're three and five. They're five losses. 27-24 to the Bengals in overtime. Three-point loss. 34-33 to the Cardinals. One-point loss. 14 to seven to the Browns, their only loss by more than four. And it was 2016 to the Cowboys uh, and 34, 31 to the Ravens in overtime. So they have one loss by more than four points. And then their wins, uh, you know, two of their, you know, they had a two point win against the lions and uh, they won by six against the Panthers. So I'm um, just, it's just close games all around. So you're, you're getting nine here uh, plus nine by teasing up the Vikings combining with, you know, pretty much a, uh, a guy who just never loses by more than one possession in Russell Wilson. Uh, so I love, this is my favorite teaser easily uh, for this week. Just these teams, you know what they're going to do. They're going to play close games, but uh, yeah, to recap, stuck going with Seattle three and a half to nine and a half and Dallas eight and a half point favorite to a two and a half point favorite. I'm going with Seattle plus three and a half to plus nine and a half and Minnesota plus three to plus nine. And now it is time for our Week 10 Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Look, I mean, we are just crushing <laughs> these Moneyline dogs. We hit again. Uh, we are above 50% combined on the parlay. I believe we're five and four. Uh, and then we also had a couple of weeks where one of us hits and the other doesn't. So... Uh, whether you want to parlay these or just pick them out, right? We have been having some success with these, so let's try to keep it going. Uh, you had the Giants last week. I had the Browns. 
that uh, that one cashed. Where are you going for this week? One of my top two picks of the Sunday six pack, the Saints. Uh, I think that this is a great spot to back them. And I think that they have the defense that can completely shut down this Henry list Titans offense with injuries on the offensive line. Great spot to back Peyton here. It's got to be some fatigue for this Titans team. They've been running really well in close games, really well in the turnover department. Give me the Saints plus 125 on the money line. Yep, like the Saints, uh, I'll be in, I'll be backing them some way, shape, or form, whether it's the spread uh, or the money line uh, this week. Hoping maybe we can get to a three and a half of that one too. If uh, if we get some bad Camara news, uh, I think you know it's 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 important that they got Mark Ingram just in time because I'm hearing you know kind of sources saying there is some pessimism about Camara playing this week. Um, obviously, it hurts them, but I think you're going to get compensated with the number uh, if if he is out. So um, another one he did return to the game at least. He did he did return yeah. the final drive. No, he returned. Um, it was more. It was more. The injury isn't week. great, but yeah, yeah. It was. It was more recent injury news. Like, uh, you know, they were working out some backs, and yeah, I think some sources close to the team say um, they're a little bit worried about about his availability. But uh, again, I think I like it either way because you're gonna. You're if it, if it moves off three, I mean, that's just a gift. Um, and you know, even with Kamara out, and if it doesn't, if he's in, then they have a great shot uh, at winning it and covering and winning the game either way. So. Um, yep. obviously that would hurt, but, uh, I do like the saints. I think they're in a great spot to bounce back here. And, uh, for my money line underdog for week 10, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns plus one Oh five short dog. Um, get it while you can. I could see this being even money sooner than later. Uh, especially if the Patriots get bad injury, uh, news, uh, with Harris or Stevenson or both of those guys. But, uh, already talked about it. Just think the Browns are the better team. They're better in overall, uh, DVOA. They are six. The Patriots are, 13th the Patriots are one and four at home this year they've not been this intimidating team to go into Foxborough and beat and uh the Browns are going to be able to stop the run which in a game like this is going to come in come in handy and they can also get pressure and that's where Mac Jones has been a rookie that's where he showed that he's a rookie's turnover where the play percentage multiplies by almost 6x and uh his yards per attempt drops to five and a half so for our money line underdog parlay for week 10, we got the New Orleans Saints plus 125 and the Cleveland Browns plus 105. That would equate to a payout of 3.6x, 3.61 to be exact. So uh, you put $100 on it and you come back with 461 if you win the bet. Uh, that's going to do it for our money line underdog parlay. Now let's get into the best of the rest, which are the games that we did not discuss in any other segment. All right, so first up, we got the Buffalo Bills going to New York or New Jersey, rather, to face the Jets, plus 13. Uh, the total is 47. Not really much of a road game uh, in terms of travel. Bounce-back spot for them. I mean, two really slow, slow starts, and it, it, it hurt them. And Urban Meyer finally gets his statement win and finally has something go, uh, go right for him with that win over Buffalo. Uh, what are you thinking here, Bills-Jets? Uh, 13 point spread total 47. Yeah. The bills offense, it's just, it's off. Um, so it, I, as the, my only Super Bowl feature, I'd like to see it get going here. Josh Allen just hasn't looked the same and the offense has not been right. And against a pretty weak schedule so far this season. So I, you know, I mean, to not do anything against the Jags, uh, just, uh, I'm just happy that we don't hear Josh Allen, uh, Josh, Scott Hanson tell us about Josh Allen's anymore, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, can we trust can we trust this Bills offense to lay this number? It's a pretty hefty number. My guy Mike White was just named the starter for the Jets. The Bills defense is playing out of its mind. 
when the Bills' offense is right, they can blow teams out. They can blow bad teams out because they keep throwing and they can really step on your throat. It's going to be hard for me to see the Jets' offense doing much. Can the Bills' offense find its groove? I don't know. But uh, this is a pure, pure stay away for me. Yeah, uh, you know, I think the Bills get back on the right track here, but you're right. It's, I think I saw the numbers that they've been 15th in, in offense since, the, uh, since going back to, like, last postseason. It's been a struggle for the Bills' offense. I think, you know, there's nothing, like, underlying – concerning like that's a underlying concern with the bills it's not like they have like a bunch of injuries or you know teams have just figured them like i don't know like i don't know what it is but i do expect them to get it right like i think i don't think it's as much of a shift as like with the chiefs where defenses have kind of figured them out a little bit i i mean this one it just the jaguars game it just seemed like it was just sloppy josh allen um just seemed like he was thinking slower like i don't know i think you know they, they, that offense goes as he goes i do think they rebound here against this Jets team that seems like it's going to be Mike White and, uh, and Joe Flacco for the Jets this week. So um, Yeah, I trust the Bills staff ultimately, but I don't know yeah. if it's this week or – but they'll get it figured out. All right, Tampa Bay, Washington, both teams coming off buys. Tampa Bay favored by 9.5 on the road, the total 51.5. I kind of hate that this is such a big spread because you love to back Brady in these spots. You know, off a of buy, he's 10-6-1, 63% against the spread. Off a loss, Brady is 41 and 15 against the spread, 73%, uh, going back to 2003. Arians is 64% against the spread off a loss. You know, road favorites off a bye are 65, 35 and 2, 65% against the spread. Brady on the road coming off a loss is 21 and 6, 78% uh, against the spread. So this is one of those ones where you want to back Brady and the Bucks here, but it's tough because you tease it down, you're still three and a half. So you're still missing that key number of three. And uh, if you bet it straight up, I mean, we've seen the Bucks struggle with that. This Washington team who's getting a little healthier uh, in the playoffs last year. And that was in Washington. Yeah. And we saw the Bucks struggle. So probably a stay away, even though I would like to figure, find a way to invest in Tampa Bay. I do make this number uh, right around nine and a half, 10, um, just giving the Bucks that edge, but just not the kind of game I like to invest in, you know, big road favorites. So Probably a stay away, but what are you thinking here? Yeah, if you're going to fade Brady in the spot, you want to fade him over a touchdown favorite. He's also like a master of if they're up seven late, you know, just running the clock down and getting a bunch of first downs. And then you're like, I just need a field goal. And then all of a sudden you're kneeling at the two. Uh, see the Eagles game, for an example. But, yeah, I mean, did what did Washington, you know, Tampa, did they figure out and get a little healthier in their secondary, figure out like their past defense issues? Did – Washington figure out some of their coverage issues. Their coverage has been so bad. You're going to need that here. How much damage can the Washington defensive line do? You know, I think the line's a tad high, but, you know, I don't have it under seven, and this is like a, a dead range, so I, no interest to me. The Washington offense, like, did playing pretty well in between the 20s. They, they just cannot convert yards into points. Is there regression coming there? Is there more of a, a problem? This line looks about right to me. All right, next up, we have the Jaguars at the Colts. Colts, 10.5-point favorites with a total of 47.5. What do you think of this one? Look, I think this is a great spot for the Colts. It's an awful spot for the Jags. Blowout potential. I wanted to get under 10, but missed it. So no interest here. But the Jags, you know, off that huge win against the Bills, Colts extra rest. Colts have been playing a lot better than their record. This has potential to get ugly. 
the Jags have been running the ball really well. That's really what they've been doing. Can't run it against Indianapolis. Bad spot. I can't lay over 10, but if I had to bet this game, that's who I bet. I don't know what to think of the, the Jaguars at this moment, only because I think they're a little bit in transition. Uh, they're switching from, and Urban Meyer talked about this, but they, they came into the year thinking they wanted to be this man coverage defense. And that obviously didn't work. Now uh, they've gone to more of a zone heavy scheme. And I think that's what tripped up the bills. I think the bills kind of prepared for one thing and the Jaguars showed them something different. And that kind of, you could see Josh Allen, just like he was a beat way to beat slow. Uh, so now obviously you have more tape on, on that and it's, you know, going to go back and look at the last few games. So I think the coast will be a little more prepared. Won't be caught off guard. And, and, and yeah, the Jags offense still only scored nine points against the bills. Uh, the Colts aren't going to let them run the football. So really, you know, I kind of agree that you would like to invest in the Colts somehow, but it's tough because you don't know exactly where their offense is going to be against the Jags D here. You know, is, is the Jags D going to be able to continue to have some success? Um, you know, with this kind of revamped or rethought scheme, or or is it just going to be now that there's a week of tape and and and, 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 and you know we saw the mistakes the Bills made that the Colts would be ready for it. You know, it's a big number, so probably stay away from me. Uh, and then our final game, the Sunday Night Football matchup that I know you'll have a write up for uh, later in the week, so everybody should look out for that in the uh, Action Network app or on ActionNetwork.com. But the Chiefs, the Raiders, Vegas plus two and a half at home, the total 52 and a half. Uh, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I think that uh, I already mentioned, I teased the Raiders with the Ravens, getting them over eight here. Uh, they're, the Chiefs, there's something wrong with the offense. And guess who used to who provided, who used to have the blueprint, the only blueprint to slow them down, Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator for the Raiders now. Go back to those Chargers games. Those are the only games where Mahomes was always off in those Chargers games, it would always be low scoring and the offense didn't look right. They would have safeties way back and they would get pressure with Ingram and Bosa. Well, the Raiders don't have a great secondary, but they can get pressure and they have the scheme on the back end. They have two ends that can get natural pressure. Mahomes just doesn't look right. He's trying to adjust to this new offense, but he just has this tendency to just want to roll out or throw it deep when it's not there. The Chiefs have to adjust to this new world where they're going to have to run it, short pass, and I, 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 we'll see if they can if they can do that. But the Chiefs' offense is just not right. I don't know if Tyree Kill is fully healthy. Many things going on with that offense. I mean, how many you have? How many times are you going to play a bad defense and nothing happens? They play the Giants, they play the Titans, and just nothing. We have to get used to. Maybe this is closer to what we could expect with the Chiefs' offense for the time being. The defense is still bad. Um, Derek Carr, they want to blitz a lot. That's not good against Derek Carr. Derek Carr should be able to carve them up here. Um, and, I mean, how, you can count on Daniel Sorensen for giving up a touchdown. That's that's one given in this game. Seems to do that every week. But, um, yeah, probably closer to a coin flip game. I mean, this is a, a game that was seven last year here. The Raiders have played the Chiefs well, even before these Chiefs issues. They beat them last year in Arrowhead, and they should have won at home last year. Um so uh, I think that the, this is a, a, a close game, really important game for both teams in the division, for playoff standings. So get, getting the Raiders from two and a half up to eight and a half, I think is, is the move here. And yeah, I'll share more of my thoughts uh, on that right up on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app. Probably should be closer to a coin flip game uh, in terms of the line, but uh, I agree. I think, I mean, I think there might be value on this total as well. I think 52 and a half is a little high 
because we're still not fully adjusting the market for the Chiefs' offensive struggles. They played in a lot of uh, just lower scoring games lately. So maybe I look at the total as well. But uh, yeah, this is this Vegas team here. Uh, I think is a live dog. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Let's... Close out with our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. The Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. All right, Stuck, you got Miami last week, so you survived. I took the Colts. I survived. Uh, Where are you going this week? Yeah, I didn't take the Colts last week because I wanted to save them for this week. I went with the Dolphins. Um, It was scary in the beginning of the game, but it was mainly sweat-free. So I'm happy I did because I wanted to use the Colts here. And then the Jags won. I mean, talk about a dream scenario. I yep. got the Jags off of that win. So Colts, Colts, Colts. This is a spot Adam saved for. Yeah, that made sense. Obviously, wish I had the Colts this week or, or even the Bills, but used them in week eight. So I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys here, just kind of betting on a bounce back spot. You know, I do think that, you know, Tyron Smith being banged up or probably even maybe missing a game obviously impacts that offense. But I just think you're going to get a much more focused Dallas team against one of the worst defenses uh, in the league and, and a letdown spot for Atlanta too. So you have Dallas coming off a spot, a bounce back spot and Atlanta coming off a letdown spot. And I'm looking at Dallas's schedule down a stretch. Uh, they are one of the better teams in the league, but their home games that they have left on schedule after Atlanta, the Raiders, not an easy out Washington football team, divisional matchup. Never want to get too cute there. Uh, and then the Arizona Cardinals, which you're not, you're not picking anyone against the Cardinals right now. So uh, that's the only three home games after this Atlanta game that Dallas has left on the docket. So probably won't use them if I don't use them this week. So I'll go Dallas. Yeah, I have, I'm saving Dallas in one of my survivor pools in the circuit survivor pool. I'm one of uh 600 ish oh, left. Congrats. And that's for six, there's $6 million prize pool. Yeah. I'm. You have to pick it's 20 picks. It's also Christmas slate and Thanksgiving slate. Mm. You have to pick separate picks. You look at the Thanksgiving slate, it's like Bills at Saints, Bears at Lions, Cowboys at home against the Raiders. Like, I have to save the Cowboys there. So that's just – that's a one-off 
survivor pulled it out wanted to mention and uh root for me i'll keep you guys updated if i can if urban meyer doesn't end me this weekend <laughs> i mean good luck no that's that's, uh, that's impressive good luck there and yeah that's definitely the right pick uh for me i don't have the thanksgiving slate to worry about so yeah i will go dallas uh but uh yeah we'll be rooting for you and uh hopefully you can take that home um so that's gonna wrap it up though for our week 10 action network podcast we wish you guys good luck this week you can find stuck on twitter at stucky2 you can find me at chris raybon you can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning action network app where you can follow all of our bets and track yours for free Uh, be sure to check out all of our nfl betting content at actionnetwork.com and in the action app and you can follow all of our picks uh, on the app by searching sunday six pack in the follow feature until next week, let's get this money. Go. No.